Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we get to have the joy of looking at the readings for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. If you'd like to listen to all the readings for the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, you can do so by listening to the reading podcast that was dropped previously to this one. So we're going to specifically look at the gospel lesson, and it is St. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and this is the calling of Peter, or Simon, or Simon Peter. Peter has a lot of names, and we get to see a couple of them even in this text. So there's Simon doing his job as a fisherman. He's out fishing, and he's fishing at night because this is when it's cooler, and apparently the fish are easiest to catch, and he gets nothing. And in the morning, in the daytime, Jesus is there. He's preaching on the shore, and there's so many people that they're crowding around him that he actually kind of gets pushed close to the uh, sea line. And there's Peter and all the guys with him. They're cleaning their nets, and they hear Jesus teaching. And I, I love what Jesus does. Jesus being pushed by the crowd, he wants to be able to communicate, teach, and talk with them. He just walks on Peter's boat. He just gets on. And then on top of that, tells Peter, hey, take me out. It's one of those, don't mind if I do. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and really, you put this uh, kind of in perspective here. I mean, Peter, and um, they've been working all night. Right. And, and it's kind of like when we've had a long day of work, mm -hmm. especially an unsuccessful day of work. Yeah. Now, we don't have those around here. But, no, not but when you, you have an unsuccessful, long, annoying, I mean, in Arduous. their case, yeah, in, in their case, a, a labor-filled task. Yeah. And to come up with nothing. And now you have this guy come up, just walk right onto your boat and start barking orders. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that idea. And But what's more interesting, and so in my mind's eye, when we talk about St. Peter, St. Simon, Peter, Simon Peter, I always think of a very brash man one who is very self-confident and not arrogant. I, I do not think that, that Peter's arrogant. I think he's confident. I think he speaks before he thinks, as, as we'll talk about in other texts. But look what he does. I immediately think that Peter should challenge Jesus. Who do you think you are? And, and not in a mean way, but this is his livelihood. That boat is his. Mm -hmm. His equipment is his. This is how he makes a living. And some guy just walks up and gets on and says, take me out. It's kind of like if I were to walk into your office and just start moving things around. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's your stuff. That's that's your right. workspace. Yeah. Uh, and here we have kind of a, an interruption of the, of the normal. But look what uh, Peter does. And this is verse 5. Um, he does it. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't challenge. He doesn't uh, go out of his way to pick a fight. He says, okay. 
And he goes out, and Jesus teaches a little, and then tells him, and I love this, go out to the deep, put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. So Peter was really nice and took Jesus out because he said, let's go out. But now this non-fisherman is telling the professional fisherman, go do this. Mm -hmm. And again, I am genuinely shocked Peter doesn't challenge Jesus. So, and, and with this, there there might be a couple ways to kind of read that, take that. Uh, one of them might be that Peter's just so exhausted and, and just, just kind yeah. of throws his hands up and says, oh, whatever, we'll do whatever you say. Or there could be, and this is just another possibility, that maybe he's heard about Jesus. Maybe he's heard reports. Uh, he's heard what he's been doing um, because at this point, Jesus has kind of built up a little popularity here. Yeah. So perhaps it's it's more of he's heard what's going what's going on with Jesus, and maybe he's uh, a little more willing to go out on a limb here. Well, and with that, I, I agree because I don't think this is the first time that he's heard of Jesus. This might be the first time he's heard Jesus teaching especially as he's cleaning uh, his nets and everything and overhearing this. So I, I do think there's something to that. And I also think that Peter is a nice guy, and he's not going to be a jerk and, and you know, uh, try to embarrass Jesus in front of all these people, so on and so forth. But again, I do think it's really interesting that Jesus is telling the professional fishermen to how to do his job. I, I, we were talking before we push record. I'm not really sure how big this boat is, but the whole idea that I'm pretty sure Peter knows how to fish, where the fish are, what the signs are. I don't know if he's like a fish whisperer or whatever, but the whole idea that, you know, does he look at Jesus and do you have a secret spot? Do you know something I don't know? You know, because he says, we fished all night. Mm -hmm. Putting the net right here is not going to do anything. The fish aren't, aren't there. And behold what happens. There's so many fish, the boat starts to sink. So there's a lot happening here. And I'd, I'd like to pause before you continue on just the, the practicalities, uh, going into to some symbolic statements or symbolic imagery. One of the really neat things is, of course, we know Jesus being God. And Jesus is preaching. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is exercising his authority to do what he has been called to do. Uh, we heard this in the previous text. I am to go to other towns to preach. He's preaching. But he also has come to establish the church, the kingdom of God. And this uh, imagery is set up in boats. And I, I love the, this idea. Jesus gets onto Peter's boat. Mm -hmm. Who's in control? It's not Peter. That's his boat. But who's in control? It's Jesus. Go out. Okay. Let down your net. Okay. And now the work that was fruitless at Peter's hands is now very fruitful at Jesus' command. And so this boat is the imagery or the symbol of the church. And who's doing the preaching and teaching? It's 
Jesus. I, w- I was just going to push it a little further because we have Jesus who's in the boat yeah. and he's the one who teaches. <laughs> right. He starts speaking. So to, to push this imagery of the church and the boat even further, I like where you're going. I, absolutely. And because and we got some foreshadowing going on because we'll have Jesus changing Simon's name to Peter, uh, which means rock, where uh, the confession of faith, the teaching and preaching that Jesus is doing will come from Peter. It's not built on Peter, but it is built through Peter, just like it has continued to the confession of faith, the confession of Christ is still built upon the continued preaching that Jesus does through pastors, uh, through the church, and so on and so forth. So we get this wonderful imagery. There is Jesus establishing the church, so to speak, by calling Peter and James and John and and the rest of the disciples. But I like this idea that he does this on a boat. And to to push this imagery even further, this is where it kind of gets neat, to go out into the sea, to go out, and Jesus says, put out into the deep. This is the abyss. This is the absolute wilderness. This is where you find death. And Peter found it. And, And what I mean by that is, Peter, I'm sure, is a very successful fisherman because he's still a fisherman. He's still working and doing this, and he had a bad night. He caught nothing. And if he continued to catch nothing, how would he eat? How would he support his family? So on and so forth. So he found death, so to speak, by catching nothing. And this is what we earn by our own power, our own strength, our own works. We find nothing but death. But at the command of Jesus, put your nets over there. Mm -hmm. Now, I see Peter rolling his eyes, whatever. And I like what you said. Maybe he's just tired. Maybe he's like, I, I don't have the energy to fight. What, what, what is this going to hurt? And they cast the nets. And behold, it happens. And I love this because, again, not only is Jesus the Lord of the church, he's the Lord of creation. Mm-hmm. I, I wish Jesus would have said something watching Peter roll his eyes. Dude, I'm the creator. <laughs> I know where the fish are. They're right there. Put your nets there. Uh, Thanks be to God, Jesus is much more patient than I would ever be. But this is the exercising of Jesus' divinity. And it's interesting because, again, we're quick to say Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Lord, Jesus is the Redeemer. But we always kind of, not always, we leave out the bigness of Jesus being the Creator, the Lord of creation. And to make this statement, he's saying, I'm taking care of you. This is the work in which I have laid before you. Now, this is all practical stuff. This is all stuff connected to what Peter is already doing. And I like this because what do we do in the church? We teach, we preach, we baptize, we administer the Lord's Supper, we comfort in the gospel, we do all these things. And these are the things we're supposed to be doing, all practical things. But where does the power and might come from? This is God's word. This is God's actions. This is God's gifts to the church, through the church, and in the church. And there's so much happening in this text. And again, before we push the record button, you made mention this is a really well-known text. 
what more can we say? Yeah, and kind of connecting this, a couple things as you were talking. The first Please. thing, um, when we're thinking about the church uh, and especially the the office of the ministry, mm-hmm. um, I couldn't help but think of one of the things they really stress when we when we take our homiletics courses at the seminary, yeah. the, our preaching classes on how to write sermons and that kind of thing. They make it very clear from the very beginning is uh, th- this is God's work through you. Um, And there's a big push. It's not my sermon, Mm -hmm. but it's the Spirit working through us. Uh, In that way, it just kind of gives a whole new perspective of, you know, it's not the pastor or the vicar sitting in their office, plugging away at their keyboard, trying to come up with something that's going to make them look really good and popular. But it's how how the Spirit works through the preacher to really proclaim uh, the faith. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it kind of takes a load off of the preacher in some respect, because yeah. you know it's it's not your working. Mm-hmm. But it also brings a seriousness to the task yes, um, and a, a realignment of what is taking place uh, and how serious it really is to, to take that upon, uh, not yourself, because you're getting the work of the Holy Spirit in you, mm-hmm. but it's really, it, it brings more of a, a communal feel yes. to preaching mm-hmm. because it's bigger than just the person standing in the pulpit. No, I, I really appreciate that because this is one of the, the, the struggles and this actually goes to the the laity too, the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're not empty robots that uh, God just you know is a puppet master and so on and so forth. It is the idea, just like uh, Simon Peter, he's a fisherman. Jesus doesn't tell him, "Hey, I need you to be a carpenter, and this is what you do." He goes to Peter where he is, and I always love. Um, Many people have heard me say that I, I don't particularly like cliches. and Especially when they're true. Yes, that, that, those are the worst. But Jesus really goes to Peter where he is. But he doesn't leave him there. He doesn't say, hey, you're a great fisherman. You keep doing a good job and I'll bless you. He actually pulls him out of this. But using this um, profession, using this life, it is his resources, his gifts, who and what he is for the church, for the benefit of the neighbor. And so, yes, the, the, the pastor and the preacher move by the Holy Spirit, but within the work that is given to the pastor, the vocabulary, the study, and so on and so forth. But this goes to the hearer, too. You hear the word of God to be applied to your life. Uh, You hear the Word of God to be uh, uplifting and so that you can face life. Just like here in in the text, how frustrating and frustrated is Peter? And then to have this guy tell him what to do and then have it come true. I, I... I think Peter's much nicer. I, I would be mad. I, I would be. I would be because again, it shows my ineptness. It shows my weakness. I toiled all night. Why didn't you get here sooner? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and then the frustration at a mere word, and he points, and it happens. Who do you think you are? And Jesus, I'm God. <laughs> So it really ties in uh, the authority piece that you mentioned earlier uh, that was the big focus last week and the week before in the gospel lessons. Um, But with that, you you mentioned the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and I can't help but but tie that to Peter's response here after this takes place, because that that truly is (laughs) the Spirit working in him as he falls before Jesus. And and this, again, is a huge thing, because 
Jesus really has walked into Peter's turf, and Peter recognizes who Jesus is. At the beginning, he, uh, he says, Master. Mm -hmm. And that's a very nice, respectful statement. Again, you know, it's not to embarrass Jesus. Who do you think you are? Why are you touching my stuff? But Master, we've done all of this. But then when he recognizes this miracle, and I, I think Peter's connecting the dots. He's heard this teaching. He's heard probably of the miracles that Jesus has done. But, you know, oh, it's a prophet. It's a miracle worker. It's not the Messiah. And then makes the statement, oh, Lord. And uh, he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, oh, Lord. That's so much more than good teacher. That's so much more than rabbi. That's so much more than miracle worker. That's so much more than um, good guy. Oh, Lord. I think it's it's really kind of a, a combination uh, of kind of, I like how you presented that. He, he's seen, heard, mm -hmm. and now witnessed firsthand uh, the authority of Jesus. And it's kind of a recognition uh, that something special is going on right. here. Yeah, and I'm not willing to go that Peter now has his eyes opened and there's the Messiah. This is definitely more, and he doesn't know what to do. And that's a really good place for Peter and all of us to really be in, because it does attribute all authority to Jesus. I don't know how to handle what he can do and what he does do. Lord, have mercy. And, and, and that's a good way, and that's a good place because it's recognizing the relationship. And Peter, again, puts himself under Jesus. It's his boat at Jesus' direction. It's Peter's work at Jesus' direction. And then on top of that, recognizes, I didn't do this. In fact, my work gave me nothing, but your work gave me everything. I am undeserved. And that's a huge confession, which I think is really interesting because just here in a few years, according to the texts, Peter will deny Jesus, not only at uh, the, the trial and pre-crucifixion, uh, but then will make the great confession, you are the son of the living God, but don't go to the cross. Don't do the work that you've come to do. And so... We all struggle with this, and Peter just really encompasses all of this. And even here, we see the doubt. Jesus, we've been working. We haven't done anything. And he listens to Jesus and gets the catch, recognizes his position in relation to Jesus. I am a sinful man. And I love it. Depart from me. Mm -hmm. I'm always curious, why do we want Jesus to leave? Why don't we leave? I, I, and I, you know, I don't say that previously. I'm just, why don't we run away? Mm -hmm. Why do we want God to run away? I think that's interesting. I also think it's a first commandment issue, but that's a rabbit hole and weeds for a later discussion. And then we have um, with him were, were John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They witnessed this too, and, and they'll also be called. And then uh, Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. When Jesus says these statements, I always think he smiles. <laughs> you know, it's that smile, that, that grin, I know more than, and it's not, I know more than you, but that whole inviting, warm smile, so much is going to happen. 
and you'll love it. But do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching men. I'm sure Peter doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. <laughs> but listen, and I, again, and when they brought in their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. They left that massive, miraculous catch. They left all the material things that they knew how to survive, knew how to work. They left it and followed Jesus. This is quite the career change. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, now, with that, um, especially with verse 11, leaving everything, how do you take that? Well, there's there's really two ways I think we could take this. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one being uh, a piece of scripture that is prescriptive, mm -hmm. meaning it is telling us what to do in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a there's there's something to that, um, but I don't want to push it too extreme. Right. Where, where we read this and say, okay, we got to sell the house, uh, leave the wife, leave the kids. We got to go do ministry. Yep. Um, that 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 would be an extreme way to leave everything and follow him. The second way that I think comes into this is that reading this as something that is descriptive. Mm. This is what they did. And how can we apply it to our lives in an appropriate way? Right. And with both of those in mind, I think um, we think of this as kind of a, a first commandment issue, a matter of priorities. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes down to it, uh, are you following Jesus or are you, you know, veering off and getting distracted by things here and there? Um, so I, I don't view it as kind of an all or nothing. Yeah. I've got to drop everything, you know, leave and go do mission work somewhere. Um, that can be a wonderful thing, mm -hmm. but we don't want to neglect our our other responsibilities uh, while we're trying to pursue something that we might view as the one way to do ministry. I wholeheartedly agree, and uh, because throughout the Gospels we hear. Peter fishing, um, and especially after the uh, crucifixion and resurrection, Peter goes back to fishing, but it's not forsaking the preaching. It's not forsaking the teaching. It's not forsaking his confession. And so with that, in this text, we really get to see that Christ has come to us to make us something different but we live in his grace and his mercy, in the vocations, in the responsibilities, in the work that he has given to us as we see and hear him deliver the magnitude of his love in and through the church. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.